unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and today's episode reminds me of the time that me and you first started working together, and I'm excited to relive some memories today as we go through this week's episode. Well, that's cool. 16 years ago, which was before we started working together, I produced an audiobook with my friend and mentor, Jay Conrad Levinson, author of the best-selling Guerrilla Marketing series. Jay and I thought about doing a book together, but that never happened. The audiobook, though, that we did was called Guerrilla Copywriting. And unlike a lot of things he did and a lot of things I did, this one didn't sell very well. I don't think either of us had the bandwidth to promote it at the time, but there may have been another problem. We tried to jam too much good information into too little time. We had 60 really powerful tips for writing copy. Jay would do one, then I would do one. Jay would do one, and I would do one. It ended up being 60 tips in 60 minutes. Plenty of value, but maybe we would have been better off slowing down and taking some time to talk about each tip. Well, that audiobook is out of print now, so I'm free to share my half of the material. I took a look at it the other day, and I gotta admit it's pretty good. A couple things need to be updated. A lot has happened in 16 years, but for the most part, we've got eternal principles that are completely workable today. So before we get into a selection of seven of these tips, here's something else that's totally workable. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, these seven tips make up about one quarter of my half, and we're going to take 25 minutes to talk about them. So let's see if it makes more sense to do it this way. I'm starting to think the original was four times as fast as it should have been. And, and before we do, Nathan, you've heard the whole thing. I, I sent it to you. What was your impression? My impression was two things. Number one, it was a very early production model for an audiobook. So there was, uh, it was you in one ear and him in the other ear, and it went back and forth. And it was a unique experience. It reminded me of listening to like a Beatles song where they'd have the drums and the percussion and everything was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do remember going through it and it was, you guys hit everything, everything within like a minute, each tip. And I remember just constantly having to stop and write down notes and be like, okay, I need to make, I need to flesh this out a little bit for myself and make this make sense to me. But it was it was a fire hose of information because you guys just crammed so much into one hour. I went through that book probably four or five times. And each time I was just going through and trying to make the most sense out of each bullet point that I could. It was good. And it was one of my very first experiences of getting that much information thrown at me at one time. 
Well, yeah, thanks. I think that kind of confirms it. I mean, you're a you're a very skilled and adaptable learner, but a lot of people listen to audiobooks when they're driving. I mean, you can't put on the brakes and pull over to Starbucks every block just to take notes, right? So, well, anyway, let's see how this goes. Uh, here's the first one. Start your copy with a magic wand. Pretend you are a wise wizard or a genie from a lamp. The wise wizard solves the prospect's most pressing problem. The genie makes the prospect's fondest dreams come true. So what you want to do is promise to solve a problem or make the prospect deliriously happy. I still stand by this advice 100%. What I've learned in 16 years is that it's easy to think you know what a prospect's most pressing problem or fondest dream is, and it, you can still be wrong. So let's talk about some things that can help you get right most of the time. First, as we've talked about before, research. What kind of research to find these things out? Well, Reddit was founded a year before I wrote this, but in the early days, according to Ars Technica news website, the founders of Reddit were making hundreds of fake posts because the site was too empty and they wanted to make it look more successful than it was. So any research you would have done, I didn't even know about Reddit at the time, but 16 years ago, it would have been unreliable to say the least. These days, not a problem. Reddit has an estimated 52 million real active users every day and a category of discussion for just about everything you could imagine is there. So if you want to know about the hopes and dreams and, of course, about the snivels and whines of people, learn to use Reddit and you can get some good background on what people want. And you can do the same thing with Amazon reviews, as we've talked about before. The second thing to to really zero in on this problem or want is testing. People say they want one thing and are willing to take action and spend money on something else sometimes. You can narrow down the biggest desire and the biggest complaint through research, but you'll find out what really works through testing. And the third thing is experience, and it won't be a substitute for testing or research, but it will guide you and help you figure out the best way to present your offer or to start it off in a headline. All of these three things work together, research, testing, and experience. Now, with those caveats in mind, I would repeat the last part of this first point. So what you want to do is promise to solve a problem or make the prospect deliriously happy. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, I don't remember who told me this, but my years of working with people doing door-to-door -door sales back when I was a teenager rings true. Somebody told me one time, you're knocking on a door and you've got somebody opening the door. They've got their coffee is going. The kids are screaming. The phone is ringing. And you've got one sentence to make one promise to get them to pay attention to the rest of your pitch. What's that one promise that you're going to make? And that's what you lead with. And that is such a powerful thing. And it ties right into what you said. That's awesome. I've never heard that before, but I love it. And I'll remember it. Even though you don't remember who told you, but whoever it was. <laughs> Sounds like they'd been around the block, huh, so to speak. Okay, number two, <laughs> assume they're not going to believe you, even if you're telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. I should really raise my right hand when I do that. You can help your copy by making a promise they can believe to begin with. Then prove that promise with facts, testimonials, case studies, 
common sense, logic, and references to their own experience. After you've proved it once, prove it again. A lot of proof only goes a little way towards the sale. All right, so this gets down to proof and believability, and I believe I summed it up pretty nicely there, but there's still a lot to say about those things. An important point about proof and believability is don't limit yourself to what you have lying around the house or on your hard drive or with what your client has voluntarily supplied you. Again, we get to research, and this becomes important for two reasons. First, just getting the facts and expanding your knowledge of what the facts are. But second, and this gets back to Reddit, but goes far beyond that, how people in the market actually talk. So we talk about research a lot in this podcast. The best copywriters I know and know of use research a lot. Remember, just because you know something is true doesn't mean a prospect who doesn't know you from Adam, or I guess I should also say doesn't know you from Eve, will believe it. If you can manage to put together convincing, and let's dream big here, convincing and actually true story in the prospect's language, whether it's in the main voice of the copy or in a testimonial, and what you write confirms the truth, you are trying to get a skeptical prospect to believe, you will have gone a long way towards getting them to believe you. I have a friend who is a multimillionaire and started a mastermind a couple of years ago, and I'm not going to use the actual products names, but he wanted to start a mastermind to help entrepreneurs get to a million, three million, five million dollars a year. And he'd done it multiple times. So I was like, I'll turn it into a mastermind. And he called it, we'll say the millionaire's mastermind and promoted it to his target audience, which was people that were trying to get to a million dollars a year in their income. And it flopped. And one of the biggest things that came back was the people didn't believe that they could become a millionaire. It wasn't really about him. It was about themselves. So he changed it to the six-figure fast-track mastermind. And enrollment just shot through the roof because it was more believable for his target market. Everybody think about that. Thank you, Nathan. That, that's really good. Hey, let me ask you something. How would you like a complete copywriting course packed into a $10 Kindle book? Yeah? Then let me invite you to try Breakthrough Copywriting. It's only $10 and it's available now on Amazon as a Kindle. Breakthrough Copywriting was originally a $5,000 live seminar I held in Las Vegas. People flew in from all over the world to attend Breakthrough Copywriting. This Kindle book by the same name is a complete version of my four presentations at the seminar. If you would like to dig into copywriting basics or refresh the knowledge you already have, then you'll really like Breakthrough Copywriting. A-listers like John Carlton, Joe Sugarman, and Bob Bly give this book an A+, and you can read the reviews right on the Amazon site. This episode of the Copywriters Podcast is sponsored by Breakthrough Copywriting. Check this book out at Amazon.com today. And now, back to the Copywriters Podcast program, already in progress. All right, number three, think about the action you want your prospect to take and focus all of your copy on getting them to take that action. So the easiest action is to get something free from you. The next easiest action is to get them to call, email, or visit you to find out more about a great deal. And the hardest action is to get them to buy right now. Well, that's all good, but there's another action, and I'm not sure online funnels were very robust or 
common when I came up with this 16 years ago, but they're pretty much the way people do business these days, right? So we could change the first point to the easiest action to get someone to take is to get something free in exchange for their email address, and that gets them into the funnel. But the same principles and logistics generally apply. The important point is to be clear in your head about exactly what action you want your prospect to take and why, and then to be just as clear in your instructions and in the design of your web pages to make it as easy as possible for them to take that action. And this is where people screw up a lot. I know of an otherwise competent marketer who had a pretty good online course, but he didn't understand this gradual approach of a funnel. So he kept trying to close the sale on the course in 15 second YouTube ads, even though the links on those ads led to a page for a great free lead magnet, which was the first session of his course. I'll just say this story does not have a happy ending and leave it at that. Don't let that happen to you. To repeat the main point, think about the action you want your prospect to take and focus all your copy on getting them to take that action. Back to guerrilla copywriting. Oh, well. Four, whatever action you ask your prospect to take, make it easier to say yes than to say no. Offer them something they can't get everywhere else. Make it fun to say yes. Take all the risk yourself so your prospect has to take none of it. I think this one is timeless and, in fact, should be printed out and pasted on the border around the screen of every copywriter's computer. But maybe it's a little extreme. The point is every business owner and copywriter should keep this in mind. And I think on the last part, take all the risk yourself. I went a little over the edge. You can't take all the risk yourself forever or the world will eat you alive. But you can take some or even all of it initially. Give people a chance to try your product or service out for a decent amount of time with no pressure, like a free period on an app or a free month of a membership site or simply a guarantee, and you'll make more money than if you had no, no tryout period or a severely limited one. But you can go overboard in this. I remember a while back, and this is a long time ago, I had a strategic alliance with someone in another country, in fact, and he had a different business a product where he offered his customers a full money-back guarantee. It was on a service, actually. He was providing no questions asked, unconditional for a full year. He made the offer around the first of the year, which is a good time for this kind of you know, business or personal growth offer, and the fee was $5,000. Well, right around Christmas time of that year, a lot of his customers decided oh, they needed that money back for Christmas gifts or taxes or bills or whatever. So they asked for it back, and he took a big hit. A little research after the fact found out that they weren't that unhappy with the service, but the offer for a full refund, no questions asked, was just too good to pass up. So the takeaway is protect yourself as well as your customers. As for making it easier to say yes than to say no, this is one time when it's really good to get out of your own head and mentally put yourself in your customer's shoes. Figure out what motivates them and what would be easier for them to say yes than to say no to. Yeah. 
I love that make it easier for them to say yes than to say no, because then it's just like a, it's such a subtle nudge that is so powerful. But I think the story that you said, one way to apply that as well is make it harder to get the refund than it is to just accept the fact that you got what you paid for. So yeah, we offer a full money back guarantee, but you have to meet these requirements and you have to show your work and you have to show that you actually tried and you have to show this and you have to do this. And so the refund's there, but it's a lot harder to get the refund than it is to just keep what you bought. Yeah, I agree. You don't want to be like some fool on the street you know, showing everybody where your wallet is and what's in it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Number five, start where your prospect is, not where you are. Convince them about the need for what you offer before you tell them about what you offer. Let me say that again. Convince them about their need for what you offer before you tell them about what you offer. Start your copy with their problem or their desire, not your product. Seen a lot of people just have a problem doing that, but that's important. Start your copy with their problem or their desire, not with your product, and make sure you make them feel you understand how they feel before you make your pitch. Okay, a lot lot of good stuff in this one. Let's break it down. First, convince them about the need for what you offer before you tell them about your offer. This is like Dan Kennedy's old problem agitate solution where the problem part is their need. Most people, prospects, tend to bury their awareness of their problems rather than deal with them right away, sure seems to me. That's why in your copy, you need to bring a particular problem to awareness that you can solve with your product. Pretty basic stuff that way, but too many people don't do it. But there's never a better time to start than now. As for the other points, simply starting where your prospect is rather than where you are, is very important and inherently difficult because of the curse of knowledge. By the time you're ready to write your copy, you've ridden so far down the learning curve that you need to make yourself consciously aware of what it was like before you knew what you know now and start there in how you talk about, write about either the problem or the solution you're offering. And I like the other part about making your prospect feel understood. Nathan, you know, you bring up Stephen Covey from time to time in one of his seven habits, highly effective people is seek first to understand and then to be understood. It really does feel great when you feel understood by someone else. And of course, you would like your prospect to have that feeling. Of everything we've shared from Gorilla Copywriting today, I think this is my favorite point so far. I'm going to repeat it because I think it's worth emphasizing. Start where your prospect is, not where you are. Convince them about the need for what you offer before you tell them about what you offer. Start your copy with their problem or desire, not with your product. And make them feel you understand how they feel before you make your pitch. So what I think is so powerful about this is a lot of times we won't take action on a problem because we don't fully understand the problem ourselves and then we Mm. don't have a clear understanding of what the next step to take is so it's bugging us but we don't we don't have clarity on first of all what the problem is and then we have no idea what step next to take but if you can come in with your copy and clearly explain hey this is the problem this is what it comes from this is all the different aspects of it and then this is how bad it can get if you don't take care of it 
Now you've helped me understand something, and now I have clarity on that first thing that was preventing me from taking action. Now I'm much likely, much more likely to listen to your next step. Here's what the next step is to get the solution. Now I'm going to take you serious, and then when you present the solution after those two steps, I'm like, oh, this person knows and understands what I'm dealing with even better than I do. I've got to trust this person on what next to do. Yeah, I like that. I've always thought about it in terms of they know what the problem is. They just they're suppressing it. But I think your point is even better. A lot of times they don't understand the problem. They don't. They haven't spent time studying it and thinking about it and finding the best way to articulate it the way you have. So really good point. Really good point. All right. Number six, get the best of Hollywood. Watch how trailers make you want to see the movie. Notice how dialogue says so much in so few words, but don't copy the style of their ads and posters. That won't work for you exactly. So trailers have gotten shorter and faster on TV since I first came up with this, but there's still a lot of value in the advice. You can make trailers for lead generation online much more than you can make them to close the sale. I say this because the guy I was telling you about before who was trying to close the sale with the short YouTube video ads didn't work. I mean, if you break down the old formula, A-I-D-I, attention, interest, desire, action, a trailer really does the first two. It gets your attention and gets your interest, and it wanders a little into the desire. It does The only action it asks you to take is click here. to doesn't ask you to spend money or make a big commitment. So maybe rather than creating desire, we could say a trailer creates curiosity. The way marketers in Hollywood create trailers is they comb through the full movie to see if they can find what's known as moments, particularly intriguing tidbits that will leave a potential moviegoer wanting more. Now, I make a trailer for this podcast every week, and rather than looking for moments, I look for a 30 to 40 five-second clip that's really intriguing about the whole podcast. I put some slides with words in front of the clip. I put the title and the guest name, if we have a guest, after the clip, and then a soft call to action at the very end. And then I put music under the whole thing, and that's about 90 seconds in total. Does it help? I think so. It's hard to measure, and it would be more work than it's worth to set up elaborate tracking just for the trailers. But I have a client with a high-ticket product who does his own version of trailers on Facebook and YouTube, and he gets a pretty significant ROI or ROAS using the principles we're talking about here. So trailer ideas work, and I know they work for high-end products and services on the Internet. They're just one step. They're not the sales page. You've got to have a strong funnel following up the trailer. And Nathan, I think you've gotten some pretty good results from TikTok, right? TikTok and Instagram. And I want to, I want to real quick, uh, let the listeners know about something. Joe Schriefer was the guy that actually changed this for me in most of my content for a long time. I was doing all of the selling in the email, all of the selling in the Facebook post or the Twitter post or whatever. And I was trying to cram all of the sales message into that. And he was like, no, dude, most of the time in this type of content, it's just a lift message. It's just to get them to the sales page. You're not doing the selling here. You're just teasing it and getting them. So the movie trailer isn't the whole movie. It's just to tease the movie and get you into the theater. 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, Joe was, man, he's kind of not as high profile. He sort of disappeared from the public scene these days, but man, what a brilliant guy. And what a, what a great way to put it too. Okay. So number seven, remember that bore rhymes with poor. <laughs> so make it interesting. Write about your prospect's self-interest. Include case studies and testimonials about how people's situations and lives have changed because of your product or service. But be careful about humor. 99 out of 100 times it'll hurt your copy unless you really know what you're doing. Now, I should have said you can't bore people into buying, but David Ogilvy already said that long ago. He was the master of making advertising interesting and still making it sell. One thing to keep in mind when you want your copy to be interesting is to include people, stories about people, quotes from people, anything that ties your product, ties your offer to other human beings. People may love your product once they get to know it, but all things being equal, people are more interested in other people than your product. To go back to Hollywood for a minute, there's a film called The Hidden Life of Trees. And there's another one called A River Runs Through It. But the vast, vast, vast majority of movies are about, you guessed it, people. As for humor, steer clear most of the time. You can use it if you know what you're doing. But whatever you do, avoid things like talking geckos and detective emus. They will make your copy interesting, but don't expect to sell anything that way. Mm -hmm. All right. What do you think about it? I like your correlation between bore and poor. I'm a huge fan of be less boring. So many people are corporate and safe and scared to say anything that might cause a little bit of contention. My philosophy on it, though, is you have to be less boring. You have to get people's attention. If you can't get people's attention, you can't turn that attention into money. And if you can't get people to pay attention, how are you going to get them to pay money? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the corporate culture not only in advertising, but in everyday behavior and everything else is kind of different from our entrepreneurial one. But I agree with you. The tedium of boredom is, I don't know if it's a fate worse than death because I haven't actually died. So I can't compare them, but it's not great. Or it's one of those things, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And a lot Ooh. of people's advertising there inspires indifference. <laughs> That 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 really works. Thank you. That's good. All right. So I'll do a, a quick recap. And I can't give you a link to this because it's out of print. But, you know, just subscribe to the Copywriters Podcast because I think we're going to do another one of these. This one seemed to go pretty well. All right. So number one, start your copy with a magic wand. Pretend you're a wise wizard or a genie from a lamp. Number two, assume they're not going to believe you, even if you're telling I'll use the right, correct hand this time. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Three, think about the action you want your prospect to take and focus all of your copy on getting them to take that action. Four, whatever action you ask your prospect to take, make it easier to say yes than to say no. Five, start where your prospect is, not where you are. Number six, get the best of Hollywood. And number seven, remember that bore rhymes with poor man this is a lot of fun i remember when we first started the podcast i was like dude these tips would make a great podcast episode and 
300 plus episodes later, here we are, and I'm stoked that we got to finally address and, and cover this book. And man, I wish it was available for people because it was such a good experience for me at my at the beginning of my copywriting career. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, half of it will be. I mean, Jay's stuff was great, but mine is much more focused on the kind of copywriting we do. We call it guerrilla copywriting because it included, I guess, branding and naming and positioning and all the other great stuff he did, which wasn't direct response copywriting. So if you if you stick around, you'll get all of it. All right. And the best way to get any future episodes is to head on over to copywriterspodcast.com. While you're there, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss future episodes. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.